Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. This is David Handel. Very excited to be talking to you guys today. Got a pretty big episode. FAU fans, we have heard you. And that's why we've brought Zach Weinberger back on. He's going to be discussing all things FAU. And we've also got Eric Henry back on this week. So going to be a big episode. And I'm actually going to jump right into it and hand it off to Zach Weinberger. All right, Zach. So we're going to jump in here to the segment. And I, I just want to, you know, kind of get your thoughts on uh, where FAU is, you know, coming into this week now, you know, at uh, one and two, obviously the the loss at Clemson, which I, I don't think surprised too many people. You know, while the score may have been a little disappointing, uh, the loss shouldn't have surprised too many. But, you know, just where's kind of your assessment of where this team is now three weeks in? And of course, we've got to get to the, the big news of the day. But I, I'll just start with just your overall overall assessment of this team now three weeks in. Yeah, you know, listen, Herman has been saying since the spring and since the fall and really said it even today during his, his weekly press, and I firmly believe it, the team's a work in progress, and that's definitely what you see. I don't think that's coach speak and, and making excuses. That's just how it is these past three games. Obviously, they kind of, you know, blow out Monmouth and FCS team, which you expect to do. But, uh, you know, facing an Ohio team that, again, punched them in the mouth last season, uh, and it kind of once again, it was sort of a rough battle from quarter one to quarter four, and then obviously Clemson. Yeah, I mean, but looking at everything that's been happening the past, you know, you know, couple days, uh, they're in a they're in a weird spot, especially you know, looking at short term heading into their matchup against Illinois. That they're in they're in a rough spot, but uh, I think heading into the conference, I don't think uh, you know fans should just sort of give up on the season. You know, and obviously we're going to be talking about these, you know, these the news that came out today and some other things, but uh, definitely some injury stuff besides the quarterback positions there. So again, it's just, it's kind of up in the air. I, I don't know if this is really a team that's going to excel, nor do I think they're going to fail, but um, I just need to see a little bit more from them. But again, it's, there's no doubt that this team is a work in progress. How disappointing was the Ohio loss, Zach? Uh, I, I would say it, it would, it definitely was to me. It, it's more of a disappointing loss than it was to Clemson. And you mentioned it like, again, I never thought that FAU was going to, to be Clemson. Uh, and really I had my, my doubts about them really being competitive there, but you, you would hope that, you know, you wanted to start off the season two and O head into these two massive road games against two big teams and, you know, and with at least a perfect record, um, but again, I think the most disappointing part about it was really the offense. And I feel like that was really one of the more exciting things heading into the season. You had Casey Thompson, uh, a deep receiver core, three running backs that could each, you know, rush for a thousand yards if they really wanted to. So, I mean, to see them kind of put up really three points offensively because there was a defensive uh, pick six uh, was massively disappointing. And it just looked really just kind of deflated the crowd that was there. So that really shocked me. But again, I, I thought that they would kind of find their footing later into the season, but obviously there's some, there's some qualms there, but yeah, I know that, that loss was, was especially disappointing. All right. So we tease it in the uh, first question. Let's jump right into it. Now FAU quarterback, Casey Thompson, of course, the Texas transfer, someone who's well known around these parts that I am uh, currently residing in Austin, Texas suffered a uh, torn knee, torn ACL. He is out for the season. So two part questions, Zach, one, What's just kind of, you know, the, what was the mood when that uh, announcement came down? And, and, and two, um, what does FAU have in uh, Daniel Richardson, who, of course, is a South Florida native and did start several games during his time at Central Michigan. But, uh, you know, it was someone who clearly when he made the transfer to FAU 
Tom Herman and company felt the need to bring in another quarterback um, to bolster that position. Well, you know, I, I definitely the mood was very was very uh, definitely gloom, you know, because obviously besides you know Thompson being the starter, you know, him and Herman have, have had a familiarity with each other since their times in Texas, um, and obviously they've they've been kind of you know separated and then got a reunion back at FAU, and it was you, you saw kind of a lot of excitement between those two to kind of get back in the saddle together and possibly create some magic, and now it just kind of cut short after three games, and obviously it's disappointing for Casey and it's disappointing for him as well. Um, and I, you, you just saw that, you know, with the high football IQ and the talent and kind of heading into his last season, he really wanted to kind of show out here in Boca, but obviously it had cut short. But listen, Daniel Richardson was the guy before they acquired him in May. To me, during the spring, during the spring game especially, he looked like QB1. He had chemistry with guys like LeJonte Wester and Jaquan Burden and the running backs, the offensive line. I mean, he was the guy, you know, and – so to me, I don't think um, they're really going to lose a step, especially with how the offense has looked the past couple weeks. Um, but even besides that, you know, you got all three of your guys in the running back room are, are hurt right now. You got Zaberry Mopley, who is doubtful. And then you have Larry McCammon and Kobe Lewis who are dealing with some ankle stuff uh, with their day-to-day, according to Herman told me today. So it's it's kind of rough sledding, and obviously you're heading into an atmosphere in Illinois with with basically a uh, a shallow r- running back room, and you know so again, but well, once again the chemistry is there between Richardson and the guys, so it's not like they're going to get a whole new face there. So uh, he looked very sharp during the spring, looked sharp in the fall as well. Just the talent from you know Casey sort of outmatched them, but again, I don't think that this offense just magically becomes worse now. You know, again. Um, the offense has nowhere to go but up with the, with the past two weeks. So uh, again, I, I don't think the season is just magically over. Like I see some fans do, but not Richardson has, has proven uh, that he could be a guy that starts games here in Boca. So Zach, I, I, I want to take it again, big picture here and just ask you, I know I opened it and asked you kind of what you make of this team. What's the fan base kind of make of this team? I mean, it's been a few months now since I've resided in Florida and obviously, you know, uh, what, several months here since April, since I've covered a uh, group of five football. But, you know, I'm very familiar with this roster. I go through, I, I look at some of the names. You know, I still see guys like Lejante Wester on offense. You know, I, I still see Larry McCammons. You know, I see Tony Johnson, who's someone who, who's been uh, a playmaker at certain times last year. But I go to the defense. I still see, you know, Eddie Williams, Dwight Toombs, uh, you know, Big Slim, Evan Anderson, Morvin Joseph, Smoke Mungin, uh, you know, I, I, Jaden Wheeler, et cetera. I just look down the list and I, and I still see, despite the fact that, uh, you know, I think, I think it can get lost, the idea that, yes, this was a team that underachieved the past few years, but still a very talented roster. So kind of what's the feeling, I think, uh, in Boca as far as, hey, okay, first year in the American, obviously made the jump out of Conference USA, but the, the expectations are, are kind of what's your feeling, your read on that? Yeah, just kind of talking about how this fan base is feeling. Obviously, you know, uh, and this is not even just FAU fans. This is just kind of just every fan base imaginable, and it goes even beyond sports. But very reactionary. You know, you get a you get a uh, performance like you had in Clemson with all with a huge injury to your starting quarterback. The way that they performed, you you saw a lot of people say that there was no effort being played there. Uh, you know, agree to disagree there. I mean, if you tell the players that they showed no effort, I think they would take a lot of offense to that personally. But you know, again, it's just. 
I still think the team has a lot to prove, and you just kind of mentioned it. You know, there's a lot of players on this team that are stars and that are some of the best players even in the conference. So they, they can win some games. Um, and, again, for me, it's, to me, this is still a team that has been talented the past couple of years, and they're hoping that this coaching staff that Herman got uh, can really unlock a lot of you know abilities here. So, But, again, you know, it's a long season, and it's been only three games. And one of the games was against an opponent that you probably weren't, weren't going to beat to begin with. And, and that's just kind of being realistic. And the same thing kind of goes to Illinois. Again, the most important games of the season are in conference. And that's really where you got to show up. Because, again, sure, they're a work in progress now. And they might be this, this next week and, and after the Illinois game. But you got to figure some things out. Uh, and to me, I think they're going to for the most part. And I think Richardson, Richardson is going to be the guy to kind of maybe prove some fans that, you know, this team – uh, is talented. He's efficient. He can manage the game pretty well. And again, the defense have had my concerns, especially from the linebackers and the defensive back group, you know, especially when TJ Young left for Ole Miss and, and stuff like that. But uh, again, the defense has been, has been good. You know, they, they were keeping FAU in the game, you know, against Ohio. And obviously they, you know, uh, allowed, I think two TDs to, to Monmouth and obviously Clemson. So, Again, I don't think that the, the jury, the jury to me is still out on this team. I, I don't think that we saw like, you know, maybe a lot of fans are saying, well, the season's over because of Casey, but I don't necessarily think so. I, again, Herman is a proven winner and he has to show it now. I mean, their backs are really against the wall and you have to see if some players and some coaches, if they can deal with it and overcome adversity. And this is going to be a huge test this rest of the season. Two more and we'll get you out of here, Zach. What's one thing that needs to improve immediately for this team to have success come conference play? And what's one thing that you like about this team that you feel will carry over into conference play? Well, I mean, it, it's a general answer for what needs to be improved upon, but it really is the offense. I mean, it, it was, I think, you know, until like the second half of Clemson, you know, FAU hadn't scored an offensive touchdown, you know, and the whole Ohio game, they didn't. Uh, and then same thing when it came to Clemson and then late in the game when, you know, you were facing not even the first unit from Clemson. So it, you, you got to see more of a balanced attack, especially because against Ohio, you kind of abandoned the run when these guys were healthy. I mean, only have 11 of run attempts in, in the game against Ohio. When you have three guys, that, that three headed monster can do a lot of damage. Um, so to me, again, the, the offense really has to be way more balanced than it is. I feel like they've really relied too much on the passing game. And then obviously the, the defense is sort of adapt to it. And then you kind of, you know, lose faith in it. So to me, Charlie Fry, you know, has been uh, questionable uh, in, in his play calling, in my opinion. And I think, again, the, he's coaching a lot of different areas, a lot of different levels, especially in the NFL with the Dolphins and everything. So to me, you have to see a lot from the offense, but from the defensive standpoint, you know, the one thing that really has showed out has been, the defensive line, and that was one of the things going into the season I was very excited about. You mentioned Evan Anderson, who's a game wrecker in all aspects, but even guys behind him, like Jacob Merrifield and Latrell Jean, Jaden Wheeler. Uh, there's a lot of guys on that defensive line that, that can really prove a lot of damage and really commands the line of scrimmage. Uh, and even a guy like, you know, Jackson Ambush, a linebacker transferred from Albany State, I believe, or Albany, uh, has really showed out, you know. So again, you were hoping you're hoping that there's a, there's people in the defensive back group that can do, you know, kind of stand out as well. Jaden Wheeler was a guy that really stood out last year. Uh, Jalen Wester from the linebacker group as well that you want to see more of. So uh, I think that there, there definitely is, again, players on here that was going to show up and winning some football games. 
But, you know, again, you have to play complimentary football, and FAU has not been doing that. So that, that's a huge key for the rest of the season. I said I had two more, but I lied. That is actually the last one. So I'm going to go ahead and thank Zach for joining us and say you can find him on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-H, Weinberger, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. He's an FAU sports writer for the Palm Beach Post, some Dolphins as well, and he is a graduate of FAU. And also, if I may just give a plug, if anyone happens to be listening to this in need of a very talented sports writer, hire the man. Hire Zach. He will be a <laughs> tremendous asset to any sports department uh, across this fine nation that needs someone who has covered college football, a Final Four. Hell, that's more than I could say for <laughs> So, Zach, appreciate you making some time jumping on here, man. I appreciate the kind words and always love being on the show, Eric. Thank you so much. Awesome. Appreciate it. Shout out to Zach. Thank you for joining again. Um, we're going to be trying to get Probably Zach on as much as we can just to talk FAU, um, make sure the owls are heard. Um, and, yeah, so shout out Zach again. And now we're going to jump into some Panther talk. There's an extra pep in my step today. I am ro- I'm rolling high on this three-game win streak. And joining me again this week is none other than Mr. Eric Henry. Eric Tell the folk before you start where to find you, and I need to memorize where you're working right now because (laughs) (laughs) if if I'm going to ever appear on this podcast again, you will need to memorize where I am working because the fine folks at 24-7 Sports have allowed me to come on this podcast in in the capacity that I am, which is why David is doing the uh, introduction talking, but you can find my work at horns247.com and... 24 7 sports and also uh cbssports.com as well sweet 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 um all right cool well eric the last time we spoke fiu was one and one texas was on their way to face bama and now fiu is rocking on a three-game win streak texas is i believe in the top three in the nation eric everywhere we go turns to gold my friends <laughs> <laughs> Listen, awesome. can you, David, but before, and listen, we need to, you know, we won't go there too far off because we need to jump into FIU business because FIU business is booming business. It is big business oh, yeah. coming off of the past few weeks. But for the FIU fans who have been, you know, joking, saying, oh, Eric, the FIU's 3-0 and in games that uh, Eric hasn't gone to an 0-1. First off, the Panthers blew it like a two-score lead and I was at the game, okay? So let's, let's talk about that first. Secondly, David, they don't show your boy no love. You see how long it's, they, how quick they forget? Your boy covered the team in 17, in 18, in 19 when they were going to bowl games. But now they're like, oh, Eric is a jinx. Eric is gone. Team is 3 1. I see how it is. I see how it is, huh? I see how it is. I, I haven't seen that narrative, but I'm kind of, I might have to run with it, Eric. I might have to run with this thing. That's actually hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, Eric, I mean, the, business is booming in Pantherland right now um very excited i mean we are already pretty much hit the vegas projected totals of wins uh and we hit it into week three i know we started week zero obviously but you know what my new narrative is eric that week zero was preseason it doesn't count so really we're undefeated that is actually what i've been sticking with lately um but yeah man it's been looking good uh the jerseys obviously have been fresh every week and the play has been even better um we have found our guy at qb 
It is Keon Jenkins. He has been putting on a show the last couple weeks. He finally, you know, he seems comfortable. He does not seem like a true freshman. A lot of other guys are stepping up. Obviously, Chris Mitchell, that, that connection has been huge. And then, you know, we touched a little bit actually on it last week. Maybe not really a speed bump because they made a lot of big plays on North Texas. The defense came, showed, came, back, came back to play um, really big time in this UConn game. Um, you know, I've been very impressed just from everything I've seen from this defense, especially Donovan Manuel, man. That guy is an absolute stud. Um, but I'm very excited to, to talk about it. I don't know how much you've been able to to see these last two weeks, Eric, um, or if anything's, you know, jumping out specifically. But, I mean, it's just been, to, in my eyes, like, it's been a complete rejuvenation. Um, like, it's crazy from from that main game to North Texas how much the offense really, really saw a spike in terms of, you know, obviously Keon uh, played really well. And and just everything seemed to gel. It seems like, you know, obviously I, I last time I, I, I said that I wasn't super impressed with David Yost's play calling. I've, I've liked a lot from what I've seen the last two weeks. Um, it seems a lot, you know, a lot of different plays and packages have been incorporated. And, and obviously what Keon can do with his legs to kind of extend some plays has been really fun to see. Um, but uh, enough about from me, Eric. I want to hear your thoughts, see if – um, how much you've been able to see these last two weeks and, and, and what stood out to you? No, David, I was able to see a fair amount of this game because uh, Texas didn't kick off till 6.30 Central times. So that was 7.30 Eastern. Uh, I believe the Panthers kicked off at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central time. So I had a chance to watch the, the first few drives before I went to the stadium, uh, got to the stadium around 4 Eastern, and then I was watching up until – <clears throat> uh, up until I had to, you know, really hone in for kickoff at Texas. So uh, I listen, Kiwan Jenkins, uh, the, the fact of the matter is this, you know, he's brought something to the quarterback position that, and this isn't an indictment of Grayson. If you heard our last podcast, you know, that I feel that week one wasn't fully on Grayson. I don't think any quarterback goes for four yards and it's just on the quarterback, but I, I'm not talking about just week one. I'm talking about if you go back since the last year, you, you can, you can say that, you know, Kiwan's performances have been right up there with Grayson's top performances uh, of 2022. So he, he, Kiwan certainly brings a a poise and a presence. And, it, you know, I, David, I was never too big into some of the cliche things, right? Such as he's a winner or he did that or, did, or you know, has experienced. However, however, I will say this. I do think at this level of college football, David, and I'm not trying to shade Conference USA, but let's just call a spade a spade. None of these environments are going to be too big for Kiwan Jenkins. You know, he's a kid who started four or five years, uh, you know, Miami Central started as an eighth grader and has been playing in big time environments his entire, you know, life, basically. If you, if you anyone who, or I don't have to say anyone, I forget, I'm, I'm talking to a South Florida audience here. Everyone in South Florida knows how big just prep football is, not just high school, but youth football. So he's been playing uh, in terms of these, these atmospheres for a while and the, no stage is too big for him. Uh, just really impressed with the decision making, the poise. I mean, the the completion percentage and stuff. I think will will come as he gets more experience at this level. But I do want to shout out, you know, some of the guys like Shamari Lawrence, uh, Chris mm-hmm. Mitchell. I'm going to take you know yes. 60 seconds here and say, David, I've seen Chris Mitch since the time he got to FIU, and he was an understudy. D- David, if you remember, he came in. If my memory serves me correct, he was part of that Nate Jefferson. Recruiting class. Um, there was another receiver who came in as well um, that I'm forgetting. 
But I think it might have been Xavier McGriff, if memory serves me correct. But there were other guys, other receiver recruits who were more highly touted than Chris. You know, Nate Jefferson was the guy who was supposed to be the next Maurice Alexander in the slot. And, and Chris was just kind of just a guy who was there, you know, kind of biding his time. And he really worked hard at his craft. David, you can remember even last year, David, there were moments of you see moments of brilliance and then moments of inconsistency with Chris Mitch, right? Like he'd, he'd, he'd you know, make a big play and then maybe he'd be down the end zone and might drop a pass or, you know, one would get away from him. He has stepped up and been a bona fide number one receiver. Again, I didn't see him in fall, but I saw him in spring and, and he was certainly taking those steps. Uh, so it's got to shot him out a little bit. But last but not least, in terms of the offense, and we can talk about the defense here in a little bit, but David, how many times did I say to you during spring ball, just how concerned I was about this offensive line when you lose a Lindell Hudson and a Shamar Habdi Lee and a Julius Pierce, um, you know, Jam- um, uh, come on, I'm, I'm missing one guard, Jamar Sylvester uh, left as well. That's, that's just a lot of guys to lose, you know, all at once. And a lot of those guys played a lot of football. So shout out to Phil Houston, shout out to Travis Burke, shout out to, to John Bach, uh, Jacob Peace has taken another step. Peace was a guy who last year, you know, certainly big, nasty, physical, but, you know, wasn't necessarily as consistent as you'd like. He's taken that next step. So that offensive line, uh, you know, really deserves a lot of credit. They did well in terms of, you know, spring the run game. They've protected uh, Kiwan really well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just a, a, a lot of what I saw there. I had to be impressed. And I'm not the person who's going to say I saw some, you know, someone said when I. Uh, said the tweet talking about you know the culture that Mike McIntyre has set someone said oh they, they've beaten three bad teams well guess what you played the teams that are on your schedule and quite frankly uh I, I one of the questions I had entering this year was did FIU I felt FIU David had 22 players that could play or 25 I didn't know if they had 40 45 50 players in terms of that depth and they're establishing that they're not it's going to be a walkover not gonna be a pushover and, and in my mind three and one is three and one and, and it's a hell of an accomplishment for Mike McIntyre and his staff yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think that that's that's a terrible way to look at it because guess what? These same teams were were beating us like last year. North Texas beat us by over thirty. UConn beat us by over twenty, and then a year later, we're we're out here we're beating them, and it it just shows that growth and and what Mike McTatter has been able to do and the culture that he's building. Like you said, um, it's been it's been huge and. And I, I don't think you can dismiss it, which, oh, you know, uh, it's, you know, they're not big games. You're not playing, uh, you know, uh, the big teams. Like, get out of here with that. Like, we play our schedule. We play our conference. And you know what? We'll dominate who we have to dominate, baby. Um, but with that being said, we've got a pretty big game this week. Uh, I'm a bit shocked that our homecoming game is against Liberty. Um, because if you look at our, our schedule – Going into the season, you'd highlight Liberty as one of probably the, the best teams that we are facing. Um, but, you know, we are riding high. We are at home. I'm curious what jersey combos we're coming out with, Eric. But I think this is going to be a very big test for this team, and I'm, I'm excited to see what we can do. Um, obviously, it's not the same Liberty that had Malik Willis, but this is the same Liberty that Dropped 55 on Buffalo's head last week. So, um, you know, it's still a good team. And, and I think it's it's probably our biggest test thus far. And, and yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, this defense continuing to make big plays, man. And this, this – I do want to talk a little bit about the defense, and I want to get your thoughts on some of this. Obviously, I mentioned uh, Donovan Manuel, who's been huge. Um, there's just been so many 
just playmakers on this team and and they get the stops when they need to get the stops and they cause big turnovers and and I've been super just super excited and and honestly very impressed with everything that I've seen on the defensive end and even in that North Texas game like you look at the final box score and obviously it was a high scoring game but like there we we caused like four or five turnovers or may, maybe like including like turnover on downs and stuff like like we they make big plays and they keep us in a lot of these games in the beginning of the season so um I'm very very happy and impressed with with how this defense has been um Eric any any anything on the defense I know we spoke a little bit about it last week but or two weeks ago now but um kind of wanted to see um you know your thoughts especially these last two weeks yeah, David, really quick, before I jump into the defense, I, I do want to shout out two more people. Uh, Mr. Hunter Dubois and Dan Forcella, you know, there in, in the uh, FIU oh, comms department. Absolutely. The, the, the time is now. If I may reveal a conversation Dan had with me last year, I think I published this in, in a piece. Dan talked about, and the reason I'm mentioning this is because you mentioned being curious to see what the jersey drop was, right? And Dan said to me that, hey, some of the things that I want to do, some of the things we have planned, uh, you know, it can't cure winning, right? Winning is the thing that makes all of those things even more exciting, right? You, you can get the fans only so buzzed with, you know, content, but winning has to happen. The winning, it's early. We're only a quarter way through the year, but mm-hmm. this team was three and one for the first time in a long time. So I am really curious to see what the boys are cooking up down there because they have been waiting, David. I just want to get all the fans, let the fans know y'all need to be hyped because they have been waiting for a winning team and now they've got it. So just stay tuned for the content. But I love that, actually, Eric. Before you continue on the defense, yeah, actually, yeah, because um, yes, exactly. I'm hoping that this is resonating, and I will say uh, the first few games of the season that I've been at home, pretty solid, like to good student turnout. I- I've actually been very impressed with the student turnout. And FIU is doing a really smart thing of getting you know the Greek life involved. I think every week, at least the two weeks they've they've you know partnered with a fraternity and they've made it you know whatever that you know, SIGAP night or Pike night, whatever. And it's, it's showcased pretty good results, at least on the student end. Like, like I, that's the most amount of students that I've seen in a bit. And I'm, you're hoping obviously as we keep winning and as these new, you know, like these jerseys and the hype videos on social, like are getting, act, getting people excited. And I think it's working, especially like the babe, the Biscayne blues, which obviously I can't stop talking about. Um, they, they had, the, I think the student giveaway was like those three Oh five Biscayne blue shirts those things sold out in seconds. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just want to follow up and give huge shout outs, obviously to that team and, and just to the, the whole athletic department really buying in and, and, and this is what you need to do to, you know, start building that hype. And obviously the winning is the most important factor and it's happening. So you're hoping it's resonating and, and I'm curious to see how the crowd is this homecoming. David, real quick, before I go into defense, um, how have the crowds been? Because obviously I'm not there anymore. So just as a whole, how have have the crowds been? They've been pretty good. Um, You know, and and the students in particular, like a a shout out to them. I mean, that student section, um, I I actually have some pictures I'll send send to you on the side. Um, Really impressed with with the student turnout. Um, The the normal turnout um, has been, you know, obviously the the diehards are there and you're hoping that homecoming is a big week. I I know – there was a bit of a drop off from the opener to last week in terms of just outside of students. Um, probably had to do a little bit with that school across the street playing Texas A&M. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that 
you know, more of the alumni show up to this homecoming game, especially that we're three and one. Um, and you know, Liberty's a, a decently big name. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, so far so good. Um, and so far, you know, obviously room for growth, but I, I've, I've been very impressed with the student turnout for sure. And Dave, David is Liberty. Is this a Saturday game or a Wednesday game? Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's September. Yeah, we, Wednesday game. We, Don't start, start till October. Yeah. We, I think our first, I'll tell you right now, our first one, I know it's in October. I don't know if it's the first week of October. Let yeah, me, I think it should be because, I mean, regardless of whether it's home on the home or road, it should be that entire week of October. Yeah, so we have a bye week next week, and then we start the Wednesday, that Wednesday at New Mexico State on a Wednesday, and then the following week is at UTEP where we're doing the Vice Night, um, October 11th. So, Got it. Okay, so in terms of the defense – Going to shout out a bunch of guys, but I got to start with Donovan Manuel. And the reason I got to start with Donovan is I feel like he's taken his game, David, to another level. Last year, obviously got out to a hot start. And then, you know, it was kind of he and Gaithan, um, Gaithan Bernadelle, as far as neck and neck, as far as, you know, who was that number one linebacker. Uh, obviously, both of them started, but, you know, in terms of tackles. And then, you know, uh, Gaithan kind of um, eclipsed him as far as tackles. I think Donovan's play towards the end of last year kind of, um, I don't want to say, you know, took a dip, but you know, it's the first year at the FBS level. I got to get adjusted to it. And I had read, I can't remember if it was Walt Villa or Kevin Burrell, but I'd read that Donovan dropped a couple pounds. And I do think Donovan, uh, you know, if he is a bit slimmer, and even when I saw him week one, walking down the steps at Joe IA stadium at Louisiana tech, he did, did look to be a little bit slimmer. I think that's helping him a lot in terms of, you know, just making more plays flying around 48 tackles, David already seven tackles for loss. I mean, he's got nearly a season yeah. season's worth. Yeah, uh, TFLs and force and fumbles. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that in just to be honest, you know, I, I, I thought Donovan was a fringe guy in terms of, you know, that next level. If he keeps this up, you know, he's going to prove me wrong in terms of fringe. He's going to, you know, be that next, uh, you know, kind of getting that next tier of guys because, you know, you don't have to be a six foot uh, three, 250 pound linebacker anymore. You know, Donovan can fly around and make plays. So I want to shout him out, but the rest of the group, Reggie Peterson was a special teams guy. The majority of the time I was there, he's really earned a spot. And Reggie, you know, a hard worker, really smart guy in the linebacker room. Deverick Daniel, one of my favorite guys, you know, someone from uh, Gainesville. You know, just I remember when he joined the roster, you know, that's a name that you, you look and you're like, wait a minute, where did he come from? And you, you learn about his story. Someone who just is passionate about football and, and that shine through and you couldn't keep him off the field. Uh, David, Hezekiah Massey's you know, taking another step, right? Mm-hmm. Remember him early in last year, had some of those true freshman growing pains, but he's really rounding into a, a conference USA corner. And then guys like Brian Blade stepping up, making plays, you know, Jack Daly. I, I told everyone that I felt Jack Daly and Jordan Garad really had a chance to make that defense as far as being that, that interior uh, traditional three, four nose tackle and defensive end. And they clearly are doing it as well. So yeah, man, the defense really impressed me and granted, okay. UConn right now, not playing their best football. Don't know if you, uh, caught any of what Jim Mora had to say post game, but Jim Mora said, and, and I'll quote him. He said, you know, Hey, uh, uh, we were a bullshit program before I got here and we let some of that bullshit get back in the program. I got to keep it out. Well, you know, yeah, they're, they're not playing well right now, but that aside, it, that wasn't, that game was not a matter of, Oh, we're playing a bad team. FIU took it to that team. The only thing David, and I want your perspective on this before we uh, get ready to the last few minutes of this podcast the only thing I would have liked is to see them when they were punishing UConn really hammer it to them and close that thing out. You know, they, in my mind, yes, you know, a win is a win, but they had their, 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 you know, 
hands or foots on the proverbial throat and didn't like finish it out. I agree. Um, the ending, obviously, if, if I'm not mistaken, dude, I don't even think we we scored a point in the second half. Maybe we might have scored once. I know we missed, um, you know, we missed the field goal. Then we had one blocked. But um, yeah, the second half definitely was a bit of a scare. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, and it did seem that we we hit a bit of a a wall there. Um, but yeah, I I, I agree. I, th- I think it was. You know, it, it, it might have been the first – I mean, it was the first time this year that we were playing with such a big lead, and that's just, I guess, comes with the territory of, of conser- playing conservatively versus, you know, um, you know, really stepping on the throat, and, and you want to pl- obviously be conservative with the time and things like that. But it definitely was a bit of a standstill in the second half on the offensive side of things. So, luckily, you know, defense was able to step up and make some big stops at the end. Um but I'm not too worried about it. Um, I, I'm still, you know, I've seen enough from the offense in, in these two weeks that, that you know, it, it still has me extremely excited and, and hopeful to, to the more that, that they even more comfortable that, that they even get in this system that, you know, we, we, might, be, we might be hanging 60 on people's heads, Eric. <laughs> All right, David. So before we close, I guess we should probably do um, before you close it up. We should probably do a quick uh, game preview for next week because uh, who knows how often we'll be doing this. So uh, yeah. coming up, coming up is is Liberty three and I'll provide a little bit of background. Uh, a lot has changed since the last time the Panthers have played Liberty, and quite frankly, a lot's changed with the program. No longer under Hugh Freeze, he is now at Auburn, where he. Uh, has taken Rivaldo Fairweather, is making a big plays there. But it's Jamie Chadwell, the former Coastal Carolina head coach, who is now at Liberty installing his system. For anyone, any FIU fans who kind of want to get a read on Liberty, I'd recommend, I mean, if you can't get your hands on on some of uh, the previous week's games, I'd recommend just watching the last few years of Coastal Carolina football. They had one of the best quarterbacks in the nation in Grayson McCall, and they run a very specific offense. It's, it's, it's kind of like a spread option offense, David, that, that they run there uh at liberty so uh, a couple names to kind of take a look at before i I get you know maybe um a score prediction and what you're looking for this saturday uh keaton salter is their quarterback uh, someone who's been very efficient and that's kind of the 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 sign of a jamie tadwell offense he's throwing nine touchdowns no interceptions uh very much a dual threat which of course comes with that with that offense cj daniels is a player uh at, at receiver who's been there a while same thing with noah frith so some targets there, but defensively, definitely got a couple of names to keep an eye on that I'm, I'm going to really see, David, how Kiwan Jenkins can perform against them. Jerome Jolly Jr. at safety and Kobe Singleton at cornerback. Kobe Singleton, a Tallahassee native who began his career at Southern Utah uh, before, you know, kind of really making the jump to Liberty last year and has stepped in really well. And Jerome Jolly Jr. is a, is a veteran back there in defensive secondary as well. So, uh, you know, this is probably going to be the first start for, for Kiwan where, you know, he's really facing, you know, some veteran uh, defensive backs. You know, North Texas was kind of very much in, in, uh, in I don't want to say in rebuild mode, but they were shuffling some guys in and out. This is going to be a veteran uh, Liberty defense. So, David, with the five minutes we have left, maybe let's get a score prediction and just what you're looking for uh, entering this weekend. Yeah, um, what I'm looking for is just to continue this hot streak. See, like you mentioned, how you know, Keon in this offense can't perform against Liberty. Who's probably going to be the biggest test. Um, if not the biggest, one of the, you know, two biggest tests on our schedule. Um, you know, and, and I've actually, as someone who's watched a lot of coastal Carolina in the last couple of years, I had a buddy who, 
actually played there a few years back. So I, I, I'm very well informed with Coastal. They've been very good. Um, so, you know, I'm very curious to see, you know, how if we're able to continue, you know, this offensive surge that we've been on. And then also on the defensive side, we've, you know, been highlighting the defense and I've been, you know, saying nothing but but great things about them so far. But this is definitely going to be their biggest test. And I know their QB, like you mentioned, is dual threat. I saw some some clips from the game against Buffalo and the guy looked lightning fast. And I, I know in, in the past, it's been, uh, you know, probably one of our biggest weaknesses has been dealing with dual threat quarterbacks. So just being able to contain him and, and you know, keep it close. Um, and if we can keep it close to anybody's game. So I'll give a quick prediction. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 31-28 FIU, Eric. All right, with that being said, um, FIU's got a big test this weekend. Looking forward to see a lot of you guys at the cage this weekend. And as always, Eric, thank you for joining us. Um, Eric, who's Texas playing this weekend? I know you already gave your plugs, but if you want to plug again, go for it before I close it out. Absolutely. Find my work. On Twitter, still at Eric C. Henry underscore. And listen, I still will be giving uh, occasional FIU thoughts and takes. So, you know, come for the uh, FIU takes, stay for the Texas coverage. You can find my coverage at Horns247 on Twitter and Horns247.com, 247sports.com and cbssports.com as the Longhorns are heading to Baylor, heading to Waco to take on uh, the Baylor Bears. Nice, nice, nice. And as always, you can find me at Mr. Hondel321. You can find the podcast at Shulable Pod. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back. And as always, pause up. Mm-hmm.